welcome to episode 33 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all the happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. I'm joined by Jason Lewandowski and producer Dan Humphrey. Management is gone, boys. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people, making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by the United States Premier Hockey League. The USPHL is the nation's largest amateur ice hockey league and the only league to span the continental United States and parts of Canada. The USPHL will field approximately 550 teams in 2020-2021, representing over 100 organizations comprised of 11,000 players spanning the ages of 6 through 20. Overall, across all of its divisions, the USPHL had more than 1,200 alumni playing college hockey in 2019-20 and more than 250 playing pro hockey, including the NHL. Learn more at phl.com. Well, guys, last week uh, was a first for us here on the podcast. Uh, we tried something a little bit different, a little bit different format, and we comprised a panel of five individuals, and those five individuals run the high school hockey leagues or represent the high school hockey leagues across Ohio. Uh, and we asked them to give our listeners an update on the state of the game in their regions. Uh, I thought it was a great uh, opportunity to talk to these uh, gentlemen, uh, what's going on in their region, what they're doing, uh, how are they going to get through the COVID pandemic uh, and still try to salvage a successful high school year uh, for these kids, uh, for the boys and girls that work so hard uh, to get their, uh, their year going. And especially not to say that it's not just for the seniors, but to try to have a meaningful year for the seniors. So it was great. It was great to talk to those guys. And I thought it was really good to hear their different, uh, different styles. Um, only one of the leagues, the greater Cleveland high school hockey league is taking a different approach than uh, everyone else. And they're going to go with the, uh, everybody makes the uh, playoff rule. Uh, and, uh, Good for them because, as, as Ryan Kelber talked about, it's the 50th anniversary of the Barron Cup. That's the Greater Cleveland High School Hockey League's championship. And now everybody gets to par- participate in it. Danny, you want to jump on? Because I was not here, and I don't know much, but I know the guys that are involved. And, and you know, in, in talking with you guys uh, over the course of the last week and, and listening to Ryan and, and listening to all the other guys, there there's a plan, and it's got to be hard. And, and, and I know a lot behind the scenes stuff that goes on in our organization. And it's, it, it's not just difficult for the kids and the players. It's difficult for the uh, commissioners. It's gotta be hell for the coaches in trying to schedule, reschedule, have to call and say it's canceled, have to call and say we have an opening and try to make something out of nothing. It, it's bless you guys. Cause it, it's, it's such, it's such a tedious job to begin with. There's more paperwork for head coaches than there necessarily should be. There's more T's to cross and I's to dot. I understand that. And Amen. the, fact, the fact, that you, fact that you guys still come out uh, 96% happy every practice is a great thing because obviously we're doing it for the right reasons. So, you know, without listening to, to much of last week uh, for other reasons, uh, business reasons, work reasons, um, knowing the guys that were involved and knowing the coaches that are involved, 
the fact that anything is going on right now is is short of a miracle and it, it's to be applauded and and those that complain that say why not this and why are there only limited fans and why is there no fans and why is there this well, you know what try the shoes on and walk in them it's a hard job period now put it through a pandemic so i apologize for getting the uh soapbox out but i had to add my two cents um i mean the one thing i took away from it was just that every league has you know its own set plan of what it wants to do and i guess you know thinking back on it i don't see how seasons don't get done now because if someone you know say down in uh the capital hockey conference their plan falls through for whatever reason well now you got four other commissioners you could go talk to pick their brain on what they're doing, what may be working for them and apply that to, you know, your situation. Um, you know, same thing up here, something doesn't work out with seating or how we want to do the GLHL. Well then maybe you're talking to um, how they're doing the Baron cup and, you know, working again together, not against each other to get a full season in for these players. Right. And Ryan Kelber mentioned it uh, when we talked to he. The first thing he said was what what how great he thought it was that everyone is collaborating uh, on that call uh, to try to learn about different um, styles that they're going to do this year. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I again, Jay, I, I I'm with you. It's not easy uh, being uh, a commissioner of a league. It's not easy being the uh, a, a head coach or any coach right now because what we are doing is trying to do what's best for the kids so that the kids can have a season and, and, you know, as creative as, as people want to get with this. And, 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 you know, I can speak personally about this as creative as people want to get, it's also at some point it's gotta be like, all right, you know, we, we can't, I said this a couple weeks ago, you can't just keep chasing your tail around because you'll chase your tail and you'll get dizzy and you'll just fall down, <laughs> you know? And, and, and it's so to be able to bounce these different ideas off of these different commissioners, um, it was a really good show, uh, and and I, hopefully a lot of people around the state are getting some information from their local uh, leagues on what's going on. And, you know, I saw the Capital Hockey League was shut down when we talked last week, but now they're back going. So, you know, it, it's it, it's it's good that we're moving in the right direction. Um, I think it's commendable, too, that, that, like Danny said, like you said, that the guys are working together and they're trying to collaborate as much as they can. And, and to another point, we were just up in Toledo a week ago and, <clears throat> and listening to the conversations of all the coaches of, you know, what's going on in your area? What are you guys doing? How are you making this work? Here's what's happening with us. Here's what's happening around our, our area and trying to actually work for something that can work instead of just blanketing saying, all right, we're shutting down. It's so much easier to do that. But there's guys that are out there, people that are out there, excuse me, that are that are trying to find some sort of way to make something good happen out of this pandemic time. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, and you know, I think uh, I think it was Pat Murphy from the Capital Hockey uh, Conference that kind of uh, corrected me last week when I said, you know, are there any teams that are that are that have shut down? And he's like, well, teams aren't choosing to shut down. It's the districts that that's doing it. So, you know, he did correct me. And I, and I appreciate that because, you know, I, and I, I, I mean, that's, that was what I meant, but it didn't come out that way. And, and I know no team would want to shut down. We all want to try to get out there and, and give, um, 
our kids the best opportunity just to play the game safely. Right. So, um, so yeah, so it was a good talk. And, and uh, again, I really, I, I, hopefully we can circle back with all those guys maybe in January, if we, if we're still rolling uh, and kind of see how it's going, you know, I think that'd be a good, uh, a good chat, if you will. Uh, we're going to kind of try to shift gears a little bit this, uh, this week. Uh, and we're going to leave high school and we're going to get into the junior level. Uh, this week, we're going to hear from Bob Turo. In 1995, Bob created the Prospects Tournament platform to provide young aspiring hockey players an avenue to showcase their talents either to the NHL, the major junior, or the NCAA coaches and scouts and saw more than 500 NHL draft picks excel in the tournament over the years. Turo was instrumental in the formation of the United States Hockey League Central Scouting and the USHL Combines before accepting the role as a commissioner of the United States Premier Hockey League this season. Going to be a great talk uh, with with Bob, talking about what is the U.S. Uh, Premier Hockey League, what's it doing, how does it promote kids, but most importantly, how are they getting through this tough time? Look forward to talking to him uh, today. Uh, so uh, that's going to be a good talk. We're going to kind of shift the gears, like I said. But bad snowstorm on Tuesday. Uh, what's going on with you guys? Dan, we talked before the show. Uh, how's everything going with you, with work, now that everyone's back in school and our listeners don't know? Uh, Producer Dan is a uh, IT guy for a school district, so he's uh, up to his uh, eyeballs in remote learning. Um, so the district I'm at, we've been remote since the start of the year. So we haven't had kids in the building at all. Um, but we were having the teachers come in and they were working out of their classroom. So you know, all the staff were coming in, um, you know, and, and at that point it was, it was easy for us on the tech front to troubleshoot or work with them. Cause we can go actually, you know, look at their computer and figure stuff out. Um, but then, you know, I don't, I, not to point fingers or, you know, place blame anywhere, but the virus just kind of started running rampant through the district so now we are up until the end of January um, pretty much being told we have to work from home. Um, to the end of January? Yes, that's that's what they went with right now because that's when uh, their second quarter ends. So, you know, there's cert- certain departments have to go in. Um, so like us on the tech side, we're alternating. So we just kind of created – we were already in like our own little bubble, but now made it even smaller. So I go in with the same four people um, every other day. So, you know, we're still plugging away, doing what we can, but it's, um, tell you now, it's not easy when you're trying to troubleshoot, you know, with some parents on tech issues. And then you also have teachers calling you who are at home and having problems. Um, and they're, you know, very simple problems as, as you may know, Sully to solve. They just don't yeah, know no, how to I, do it. No, no, actually, they I don't, don't know how know. to do that. Yeah, no, I don't know. And, and, and uh, you're over there laughing, everyone, Jay's laughing like a freaking hyena over here, but no, I don't know. Um, to our listeners, I'm, I'm getting better, Dan, but it's, I'm not the, the greatest of, um, well, how would you want to say Dan, uh, tech savvy? Tech savvy. Yeah. Tech savvy. Right. <clears throat> so. So when you when you say to me about the little things and it's easy and then you look at me and laugh, I, I don't find it too funny there, Dan. I do have a I do have a question. Yeah, 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 yeah. funny, funny. 
I do have a question for you guys. All right. <clears throat> and and not to get on this this tangent, but you know, we've heard in the news the past couple of weeks that the, the vaccine's going to be coming here in Ohio in, in December 15th and it'll go to uh, frontline workers, which it should. And, and, and then, so, so when you hear that, what, what's your thought process on like, like, do you think like next summer, and I will tell you straight up, like I would figure like maybe June, you know, we might be in, in a good spot. Right. So I go to the, I go to a, a doctor's appointment last Thursday and they had a schedule in a, a, a procedure for me, but it's not until September of next year. Wow. And the woman says, all right, your procedure's on the 13th of September and your COVID test will be on September 11th, two days before I go, what? Like for me, I, I was like, what, what did it get? I'm not, you know, I'm obviously I, I can't even figure out how to put an electronic signature on my email. So how the hell am I going to figure out, you know, the COVID-19 thing? But uh, I just that shocked me. That shocked me. I, I think that from a, a vaccine standpoint, it's similar to when, you know, the newest technology comes out. There's going to be bugs. There's going to be problems. There's going to be things that they haven't thought of. There's I mean. There's going to be a lot that is good about it. It's going to give a lot of peace of mind, but is it truly going to do what it should do? Volume one, maybe, maybe not. We don't know. I mean, it's like this whole, the whole time from last March to now it's unprecedented there. You, you don't know. And that's a hard thing for everybody to grasp is there isn't, you know, we don't know. We don't know. They're telling us, yes, it's going to work. Yes. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. These are the side of possible side effects. These are the possible, this, this is that, you know, I don't know Would I take right. it. Yes. Would right. I take it. Yes. In a heartbeat, because I think it's, it's a step, you know, it's like, why, why are we okay with entering an ice rink 15 minutes before a game and being flustered? Well, that's cause that's what we have to do. And why do we have to wear masks all the time? Cause that's what we have to do. So if they're telling us that this is the best possible way to avoid further contaminations, if you will, or, or, or help you along the way, I'm up for it. I'll be a guinea pig. Let's try it. Is it shocking that your, your, uh, your procedures are in September? Yes. However, I don't foresee this, any of this going away until the summer, maybe, maybe even longer than that. But then again, we never had this before. So now they have all these checks and balances in place. So, okay, no matter what, your procedure could be next December. You're still going to COVID test. Yeah, no, 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 I know. I just, and that just kinda, stinks. yeah, it kind of shocked me a little bit, you know. I agree. Uh, get off the COVID thing. Jay, last night we had a game. Uh, I'm not going to throw out any names, but I want to give a shout out. One of the guys that roughed our game last night, he uh, uh, says he listens to us when he uh, drives his truck. Uh, without those guys driving the trucks and delivering all the goods. I don't even know what he delivers. doesn't matter. He's doing a hell of a job out there helping us out. Uh, thanks for what you're doing. Still wasn't a trip, though, that you called last night. <laughs> Throwing that out there. But uh, uh, I'll send the video to him. Uh, but they did a hell of a job. They called a nice game. Uh, but uh, so to all of our listeners, thanks for listening. Um, you know, I, I listen uh, to this podcast, a couple other podcasts, 
and it does put me in a different frame of mind. And hopefully we're able to do that for, for you guys as well. Um, well, Jay, Hey, big snowfall last week, yes. uh, kept us in, in the house for a couple, uh, uh, yeah, a day, uh, about a day, whatever. And, uh, but that's, tis the season, right? Absolutely. Jingle four wheel, bells. Four wheel drive. Right. Beautiful uh, thing. Beautiful thing. Four wheel it drive. is a, it is a beautiful thing. Not in my Honda Accord, no four wheel drive. So I'm all over the road, but, uh, with the snows falling and the winter and I don't want to say the winter's coming or arrived. It's coming has not really arrived yet. Let's dive into the news and see what's, uh, happening in the hockey digest. The Youngstown Phantoms played their first two home games of the season Friday and Saturday with fans in the stands at the Cavelli center split a pair of games with the visiting Muskingum lumberjacks. The Phantoms dropped a 3-1 decision on Friday, but on Saturday, Ben Schoen made his season debut and scored twice in the last seven minutes of regulation to tie the game, then scored his third goal of the game in sudden death overtime to give Youngstown a 4-3 win. Schoen, of course, was our guest here on the podcast two weeks ago. Another exciting addition to the lineup for the Phantoms was Jack Malone, a 2019 sixth-round pick of the Vancouver Canucks that played one of the top NCAA teams in the country at Cornell last year. Malone, 20, has 121 games of USHL experience, all with the Phantoms, and put up 59 points in 57 games two years ago. Hey, a little bump to our buddy Ben Schoen, uh, OT winner the other night, uh, was on the pod, uh, as we said a couple weeks ago, and coming off of an, inj- an ankle injury. So uh, congrats to him and uh, good showing and good celebration after he got the game winner. Not only not only a game winner, but his season debut debut gets the hat trick. Oh yeah, woo, Shawnee, woo, good things, buddy, good things. Josh Tomasi, a former Cleveland Baron from Middleburg Heights, Ohio, scored with five seconds left in regulation to give the Lake Erie Bighorns a three to two upset win over the Toledo Cherokee at Erie Bank Sports Park on Saturday. Bighorns goaltender Bradley DeFonzo turned aside 32 of 34 shots to backstop Lake Erie to the win. It was just the third loss of the season for the Cherokee, who responded by scoring five times in the first period on their way to an 8-2 win in Sunday's rematch. The Cherokee sit five points behind the Metro Jets of Fraser, Michigan, for the top spot in the Great Lakes Division of the USPHL. Toledo and the Metro Jets play a much-anticipated home-and-home set this week. Saturday's win, meanwhile, keeps the Bighorns a point ahead of the Wooster Oilers in the Great Lakes Division race. The nine members of the Tri-State Collegiate Hockey League agreed that modifications to league scheduling requirements were necessary and have agreed that there will be no league game requirements for any clubs in the 2021 spring semester. The Tri-State Collegiate Hockey League said in a statement that this approach provides those member clubs that are permitted to compete with the flexibility necessary to allow the scheduling as many games as possible. The Tri-State Collegiate Hockey League has left open the possibility of a postseason tournament should at least four member clubs field teams. Final decision with specific details on if and how a postseason tournament would function will be made in January. The Tri-State Collegiate Hockey League Commissioner Tim Driscoll told Ohio Hockey Digest Scott Harrington that the earliest he could see any of the league's nine teams playing a game was January 25th. 
Sportsnet's Jeff Merrick tweeted Sunday that the Cincinnati Cyclones will join 10 other East Coast Hockey League franchises in suspending operations for the upcoming season. Merrick also said the Idaho Steelheads and Kalamazoo Wings would join the growing list of East Coast Hockey League teams going dark, which includes the entire six-team North Division of the league. The Toledo Walleye and Fort Wayne Comets announced Monday that they received special permission from the East Coast Hockey League to start their seasons in February. The Wheeling Nailers, meanwhile, have opened training camp. They played an inter-squad scrimmage over the weekend and intend to play a full 72-game schedule this season. Miami University got their season underway playing pod hockey in Omaha. The Red Hawks opened their season with a 2-0 loss to the number one team in the country, the University of North Dakota, on Wednesday. They returned to the ice on Saturday and dropped a 2-1 overtime decision to Nebraska-Omaha, then turned around and faced the nation's number three team, Minnesota Duluth, on Sunday and fell by a score of 5-3. The schedule doesn't get any easier for the Red Hawks, who play UMD again on Tuesday and take on number four Denver on Thursday. At that point, they will have played four of their first five games against top four teams in the national poll. Like, as I was reading that, I was starting to like, like get hives. Could you imagine starting? And and again, you know, they're kind of in a rebuild, right? They're in a rebuild. And then you have to go against that schedule. Whoa. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Man. That's crazy. I agree with you in that when when you were reading that, and I'm reading along with you, and and just this anxiety came over me. You're you're going out one. You're going to a pod, so you're wherever. I forgot where they're playing at. I apologize. Omaha. But, oh, in Omaha. Okay, so they're in Omaha, and oh, let's go uh, right out of the rip. Let's go against number one, North Dakota. And oh, by the way, you're going to end your week playing top five in the country the entire time you're there. Like, wow. Well, buzz, buzz num- saw. number one, number three, UMD and number four, Denver. <laughs> and listen, I mean, two, nothing to North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Five, three to UMD. They got to play them again on Tuesday. And then number four, Denver. And then throw in Denver. Yeah. You want to know what you're made of? Go play the best. Well, there you go. There you go. And, and, and you know, Coach Bergeron is going to have him ready. Sure. And, you know, it, it's, hey, man, for, for everything being goofy, and, and I don't even know what the situation is, uh, what they have to do in that pot of theirs, but it's it's new. So, you know, hats off to all the guys that are, that are getting a chance to play. It's got to be strange. And I was actually, I was watching a clip online, and uh, it was actually North Dakota's clip, and, and the guys were warming up outside the, the, the ice surface there and, you know, playing the two touch with the soccer ball or whatever they call that game and uh, all masked up. And it's just, you're getting to play. You're getting to play one way, shape or form. You're getting to play. That's awesome. And, and, you know, everything will always improve as you go on and have more time uh, in your systems and with your teammates and good luck to, to the Red Hawks and Miami coach Bergeron. Absolutely. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by the United States Premier Hockey League. The U.S. PHL has five teams in the Ohio Hockey Digest coverage area. The Clubless Mavericks, the Toledo Cherokee, Wooster Oilers, Lake Erie Bighorns, and the Fort Wayne Spacemen. Learn more at usphl.com. 
Here in the Ohio Hockey Digest coverage area, we know the USPHL as the home of five junior hockey franchises, but the league is much more than that. It is the nation's largest amateur ice hockey league with 100 organizations and 600 teams spanning the continental United States and part of Canada. Overall, across all its divisions, the USPHL had more than 1,200 alumni playing college hockey last year and more than 250 playing pro hockey, including the NHL. We are so fortunate to have Bob Turo, the USPHL commissioner, join us today on the podcast. So please welcome to On Air, USPHL Commissioner Bob Turo. Welcome, Bob. Thanks for having me, guys. How are you tonight? Doing wonderful, doing wonderful. And, and uh, we had an opportunity last week, Bob, to speak to commissioners of high school leagues here in the state of Ohio. And we, we can't imagine the work they're doing. Now we got to turn it over to you, and your organization is encompasses so much more. So the question is, when you say, how are we doing? The real question is, how are you doing? <laughs> we're, we're like everybody else. We're just working through it. Uh, we're doing our best. Uh, safety is the most important thing. Uh, we, our kids, you know, our players at every level want to play hockey, but we have to do so following the protocols that are in place in every state. Uh, we have to make sure that we're doing this as safely as possible with our testing programs. But then there's a, you know, there's some intricacies involved here as well. I mean, because we have interstate play uh, as opposed to just one state. So we're having to not only follow what we're doing in a state, but how that state is bumping in to the state beside it and how they, the two can be affected. So it's tough. And here's the other thing, the land shifts every day. I mean, there's a new mandate that comes out, sometimes good, in favor of playing, sometimes bad. So you just have to uh, uh, keep up to uh, keep up to breast as far as what's, uh, what everything is and, and just uh, keep going on. <laughs> That's all you can so, do, right? So, yeah, exactly right. So for our listeners that aren't familiar uh, with the United States Premier Hockey League, can you tell us the big picture of what the USPHL is? the levels, the age groups, uh, the NCDC, all that stuff. Sure. So the, um, the, uh, the USPHL started out with a number of teams that used to be in the old Eastern Junior Hockey League, and uh, they uh, maybe thought things could be um, done better, and so they created their own league. And uh, basically, at the time, it was uh, junior, but these organizations also had youth organizations. And, you know, I'll just fast forward, um, you know, seven years here. Um, the league has three levels of junior hockey. Um, the NCDC is the highest level. Um, it's where the vast majority of the Division One NCAA commitments will come from. Uh, but then we have two other levels. We have a premier level, which you're familiar with. And we have an elite level. And the, uh, those levels, for the most part, um, uh, advance players to either the NCDC um, or they advance players to Division Three hockey or ACHA hockey. Um, and, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about an education, right? Like, I mean, if you take a look at any one birth year in America, um, that's Canada and the United States. There's only out of that birth year 50 players that are going to play in the National Hockey League. So for everybody else, it's all about 
whether you're going D3, ACHA, Division One, it's all about finding that right home for you where you can get the education, play hockey at the same time, and set yourself up for the rest of your life. Now, just one last thing. We do have a youth component that's growing and will continue to grow as uh, years uh, go on. So it's really um, a beginning-to-end uh, process in our league, and it's 24 states wide, sea-to-sea, border-to-border. It's a big league. Wow. So, Bob, where, where are you in North America right now? <laughs> well, I was in Florida. That's my residence. Um, okay. Uh, but, I, but I'm right now I'm in Kitchener, Ontario. That's where I was originally uh, from. Okay. And I still spend some time here. I still have a home. And uh, I can just tell you it's a lot colder in Kitchener than it is in Palm Harbor, <laughs> Palm Harbor well, Florida. <laughs> when you said you were in Florida, that's where you make your residence. I was like, well, the guy's a smart guy because we're sitting in Cleveland, Ohio, and it is freezing up here. <laughs> and then you said Kitchener. So we're like, okay, we're okay. We're okay. Yes, now, exactly. My first question, with everything that's been going on and all the ups and downs, how are liquor sales in Florida and Kitchener going for you? Which <laughs> I can't even imagine how how mentally drained you are on a daily and nightly basis having to deal with all this. But second of all, the main question, I guess, is how does one go, uh, how does one rather become the commissioner of a 600-team amateur hockey association? Could you tell us about your background in the game? Sure. So, um, growing up in Kitchener, you know, I played youth hockey and, uh, you know, like every other kid, I wanted to play in the National Hockey League, but I wasn't one of those 50 kids that was going to be able to do it. And uh, I decided very early that I was going to stop playing hockey, like at 17 years of age, and I wanted to still find a place in the game. So I started coaching youth AAA hockey. And that led to uh, scouting in the Ontario Hockey League. I scouted for nine years in the, uh, for the Sioux Greyhounds in the Ontario Hockey League. And um, at that time, I, I started scouting some hockey that I never had seen before in my life, and that was spring hockey. When I was a kid, I mean, you maybe went to a hockey school at the end of, the, you know, at the end of August. You played hockey, and then in April, on April 1st, you started playing baseball or soccer or you know, whatever it was. But now kids were playing spring hockey. And um, when I went to scout, I mean, because a scout goes wherever hockey players were or are, I, I noticed that there were good players there, but things were very unorganized. And so I had run hockey tournaments for Kitchener Minor Hockey before, and I decided, you know what? If kids and parents are going to pay money to play spring hockey, I'll start a tournament that only allows the top players into that tournament and so i did that and over over 15 years um, um, there were over a, a thousand players that played in the tournament uh, that went on to division one hockey there was over a thousand players that went on to play in one of the three canadian hockey leagues like the ohl the western league or the quebec league there were over 500 players that got drafted and played in the national hockey league eight of them were first overall picked I'm not saying they got there because they played in, in the tournament, but it spoke to the quality of the tournament. And that's the quality that we're hoping to enhance uh, with me coming on board with uh, the USPHL. Um, you know, in that journey, um, there was a stop along the way uh, with the USHL, which of course is a beast in junior hockey in America. It's clearly the number one league in America. Um, the USHL last year had more NHL draft picks than any league in the world. 
And um, in 2004, Gino Gasparini, who was the commissioner of the league at the time, uh, asked me if I would form their first central scouting agency. And it was to, we were really um, looking to identify who the players were in the nation, the top players, but then also to have a legitimate combine at the, at the end of the year where only the best 14, 15, and 16-year-olds could attend. So that way we could um, get our message to those players um, and brand the league so that when it came time for them to play in the USHL, we would be top of mind. At the time, uh, the USHL was really growing. It is not where it is today. I mean, like today, it's just crazy. And I'd like to think that that um, kind of contributed. I know that it did somewhat for the USHL being where it's at. So, like, that's a very long-winded answer. But you can get the drift of the things that we're looking to do with the USPHL mm-hmm. so that we could be top of mind of any player who wants to play junior hockey or youth hockey, but junior hockey I'm talking about right now, and wants to go on and further their education, whether it be in Division One, Division Three, or ACHA. So how how – obviously it's difficult to be a scout and and watch hours and hours of hockey and, and try to find, you know, I don't want to say a diamond in the rough or anything like that, but it's still a difficult job. And how, how much more difficult has this pandemic made it for the scouting? I mean, let alone how much more difficult is it for the players to now get seen? So we were talking about this today and we're going to talk about it tomorrow on one of our, uh, one of our league calls. I mean, whether it's our league, uh, whether it's the USHL, whether it's college hockey, whether it's the NHL. I mean, if you take a look at the, let's just take a look at the top league in the world, the National Hockey League. I mean, where they would draft the majority of their players from in North America, the leagues really aren't even operating. Right. I mean, the NCAA is barely playing games. Um, the Western League and the Ontario League aren't operating. The Quebec League was. Now it's shut down. I mean, so everybody's kind of just trying to see can we get games in this year you know how many games can we scout games it's just a day-by-day operation for that level and for our level i mean and uh, you're just you're just trying to figure it out and it, you know if it, it gets to a point where um you know there's just no hockey then say a league like the national hockey league will probably have to say you know what maybe we don't have a draft this year maybe we let all those kids play where they're at next uh this year maybe we'll let them play there next year and we do a double draft next year where we do a, uh, an 18 and a 19 year old draft you know years ago in the national hockey league it used to be a 19 year old draft so everybody's just trying to figure it out day by day there's no magic answer you know hopefully you know you hear rumors about the vaccine coming out you know hopefully that'll change the narrative and then change the number of positive cases and we can get back to playing hockey and scouting hockey players so as you uh, created the prospects tournament and then that showcase, mm-hmm. uh, you you mentioned that you had many players that moved on to the next level. Can you tell us and our listeners some of the the notable names uh, of those players that played throughout your tournament? Um, I'll give you a couple: uh, Thornton, Stamkos, Tavares, Kane, Crosby. You want me to keep going? Just a couple? <laughs> Just a couple go? <laughs> I mean, you might know. I mean, if you need their first names, I can give you their first names. Hey, it's just I a mean, couple, guys, couple guys just trying to break in the league now. I mean, it's great to watch them come up, huh? <laughs> no, 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 Bobby. I mean, and, and, and again, the, the reason for the question is, is 
for our listeners to know, you know, that some of them might not even ever heard of the prospects tournaments, right? So mm-hmm. the validity of these tournaments to where you get the best of the best to come in um, and then, you know, push them on. And, and, and we could now, I mean, it, it, if no one knew who you were and it, it's starting to paint this picture of why you are now the United States Premier Hockey League commissioner, right? So, uh, so when our listeners are, are listening is saying, all right, well, this guy obviously has a background uh, of, of an eye to know talent and see talent and move, move talent on. And again, you named the best of the best in the world there. Right. But there's many more guys that, you know, we probably wouldn't recognize their names, but they're making a hell of a career in a division one or, or pro hockey somewhere. So, you know, I'll, can you just talk you, to us? A yeah. little bit? I'll bet you there's, there, uh, I would bet you there's plenty of people who uh, played in our tournament ended up getting a division one scholarship or a division three scholarship or division three financial aid, um, had a great education and are making more money than some of the people we're talking about in the national hockey league right now. Again, it's back to education, right? Right. I mean, uh, I remember at the event, uh, talking to Phil Kessel and his father. And, uh, at the time, I mean, the Ontario hockey league was hot after him. And of course, and the NCAA teams were as well. And um, Mr. Castle said, I think that we're going to go to the NCAA because you never know what's going to happen. There could be an injury. Maybe we're not as good as what we think, right? I right. mean, and then education is something that you just, you, I mean, it's, it's for life, right? And, um, you know, I think things worked out for him pretty well in hockey. But for, for other kids, it doesn't. And so they had the education and away they go. Right. So you talked earlier about uh, the three different junior levels, the NCDC, uh, the, the elite mm-hmm. and the premier league and all that. So speaking of education, uh, does your league, does it mandate your kids to attend a junior college? Uh, obviously they have to attend if they're still in high school, but if they're not in high school, do they, does your league mandate them to attend uh, some sort of schooling? So uh, it's up to the individual teams. Okay, but all of these kids are trying to get into school. So, well, you have many, many of the players that are out of high school already. The vast majority of them are taking college courses, right? They're continuing on so that they can get ahead when they are actually uh, at a school. Uh, We have some players that are in high school. Like just we're going to I'm sure we're going to be talking about our Florida hub city. Yes. You know, one of the big things, one of the big things for us. Uh, there was education is there going to be so we're setting up study halls where um, so kids are not doing their homework or taking their online classes in their um, in their hotel rooms or in their resort rooms that there's going to be an actual room where they can study so it's about listen it it all comes down to education 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 that's what's going to set you up for the rest of your life so it's uh, we pay a lot of attention as as any junior league should right 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 well you you had mentioned that at that's in speaking about uh your conversation with phil and his phil kessel and his dad that they were looking at the ncaa route during those times did you see more players going major junior or did you see more players going the ncaa route i mean you know we had spoken to a, a few nhl uh retirees now and some of them said, you know, they, they wanted to go the OHL route or the, the major route because 
that would get them to the NHL faster. Where others said, maybe I went that route and I needed more time to develop. So I went the NCAA route. What were you seeing at those times? And, and maybe how has that changed to current? So the beautiful thing, first of all, let's start off. The beautiful thing about America is freedom and choice. So there's no right answer for any person. Right. I mean, I saw an American in Patrick Kane who went to the Ontario Hockey League. And I saw a Canadian in Jonathan Taves who went to North Dakota and the NCAA. So choice is a beautiful thing, right? And everybody has to make that choice. Um, you know, I'll, I'll take you back in history a little bit. In 1967, when the National Hockey League expanded from six to 12 teams, there were only five players from the NCAA in the National Hockey League at that point in time. Right. Fast forward all these years, and I don't know what the exact number is, but about 25% of the National Hockey League has come from the, from, the, uh, from the NCAA. So obviously things have changed, right? Right. I mean, you know, the other thing that's changed is Europeans. In 1967, there were no Europeans. Now they make up about 25%. So, I mean, there's always that battle for um, the best player. I'll, I'll just stick to North America here between the NCAA and uh, the CHL. And, you know, I'll bring it back. I'll swing it back to what prospects was all about. I made promises to people that there was going to be a certain quality of player at our tournament. And there was going to be certain quality of referees at our tournament. And there was going to be a certain quality of ice at our tournament. And I fulfilled all those promises. I, I provided value to people. And that's why it just kept growing and growing and growing. And all the best players came. Like one year, the national development team came. I mean, it was, it was crazy. So, you know, you, you dial it back to just like the USPHL and, you know, where are we going to take it? Uh, you know, we have some ideas on where we're going to take it. We want to be the best we can possibly be. We want to be the number two choice behind the U.S. Uh, the USHL. Mm -hmm. But the only way we get there is by fulfilling our promises and providing value. That's the key. And we have to do it at a league office level. And we have to do it um, at, you know, franchise by franchise. Right. So that's the goal. So you had spoken about uh, starting the USHL Central Scouting. Is that exactly what it sounds like, a USHL version of the NHL Central Scouting? And how would a player go about getting on the USHL's radar? The USHL's radar or the USPHL's radar? Let's go with the USPHL's radar. So um, let's talk about Central Scouting for a second. Central okay. Scouting, whether it be the National Hockey League or um, – uh, the, the three major junior leagues in Canada or the USHL when I was operating it was just um, a set of eyes for everybody in the league um, so that um, you would just provide more information. More information leads to better uh, decisions, right? right. Uh, more facts leads to better decisions. Um, so when we started it up with the USHL, we, we did it with two things in mind, better decisions and branding. We wanted to brand the USHL to those top 14, 15, and 16-year-olds in America. Um, nobody else, like the NCAA doesn't have a central scouting agency. They have uh, collegehockeyinc.com, which is more of a marketing arm. Um, the USBHL doesn't have a central scouting agency. Where are we going with all that? Like right now, teams in our leagues, they do their own scouting. They don't share information. Um, 
And uh, I don't know where we're headed with it all, but I just know that we as a league need to figure out we're in a really good spot uh, as far as the number of commitments go. I need to hire whoever read that introduction about all those Division One and Division Three commits. All right, listen, you got you got me you got me hired, man. Come on, I'll I'll send you my stuff tomorrow. Listen, send me the resume. It's it's on tape, Danny. It's on tape. I got a new job. I gotta I gotta resign. I'm I'm an I'm an educator, so I gotta resign tomorrow. So it's just about um, taking this wonderful opportunity that's been put in front of me now. um, That Richard Gallant, our outgoing commissioner has built i mean think about it in seven years we built the biggest hockey league he he <laughs> and the and the people on our team in seven years have built the biggest hockey league in america and they're passing that on to me it's a big responsibility sure. and we have a great team and uh you know right now we're figuring out how we're gonna take it to the next level so you talk about the biggest hockey league in america and so let's talk a little bit about expansion right like how did you guys do? Like now, literally, you guys, like you said, Bob, you're coast to coast and border to border. Um, what leagues has the USPHL absorbed? Um, you know, can you talk about the umbrella uh, of the USPHL? So let's move forward. I mean, there's, you know, whether it be the Western States League or the Central League or, or leagues that, you know, are no longer, you know, no longer in existence. I mean, it just, um, what, what was happening with all of those leagues, whether if you go back to our founding members that were in the Eastern Junior Hockey League, I mean, it doesn't matter where they were at. Where they were at, they didn't feel like they were probably getting the value that they needed for their franchises and for their players. And along comes this well-run machine called the USPHL. And, and, and the group led by Richard Gallant just kept um, shining um, year after year after year where teams just kept saying, you know what, that's what I want to be a part of. And they just kept folding in. And, you know, here we are today. Will we expand? Yeah, we'll, we'll expand. We want to do it right. I mean, competitive balance is really important. Are the players there? Um, to to merit expansion, um, all you know. There's all kinds of questions that come into play when you're looking to expand as a, a as a league on top of where we're at. Um, and we get calls every week about expansion, so we'll figure it out. Um, the expansion, I have to tell you, has kind of been back of mind because of this thing called COVID nineteen. Sure. sure. Um, and just trying to get through, trying to get through the league, but. Um, you know, I think I think having, I think life has been put on the back burner. Right, one hundred percent. So you know, to dovetail into something else, you know, like our 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 Florida hub is going to allow us, and it's going to feel so good to sit down face to face rather than on another Zoom call and talk about things like expansion moving forward. So so can you can you tell us the idea behind the Florida hub? Sure. So um, we, our players told us they want to continue playing hockey. Our job is to try and do so in a safe manner that um, follows the guidelines of every state. 
Uh, we were looking to keep our league moving forward as, um, as states kept changing what the protocols were and what was allowed and what wasn't allowed. And a small little idea that Richard Gallant had, you know, when we put a couple of minds together, started, you know, uh, bubbling to the surface. Just like the National Hockey League, uh, we had looked at a number of different locations. If you remember with the National Hockey League, I think right up until the very end, they were thinking, I think I heard uh, Vegas and uh, uh, L.A., and it turned out to be Edmonton and Toronto. We were no different. And, uh, you know, so you're, we, we just want to have our kids keep playing so that because um, they want to play and we want to be able to showcase them um, to the colleges that we're talking about. When we hit, when we head that into Florida, we, we might be the only game in town. And if we can pull this off and we will um, think of the opportunities for those kids that are in that hub city. Right. When, so when, when does that, when does that start? So right now uh, we're looking at ha- having starting January the 5th and it'll run six to eight weeks. Um, and we're operating out of Wesley Chapel, Florida, which is just North of Tampa. It's the last exit out of Tampa in an arena, the advent uh, ice arena that was home to the U S women's Olympic team for six years. It's a fourplex arena and it's top of the, like it's as good as any arena that there is uh, of its kind in America. We've also uh, taken over basically the Saddlebrook uh, resort, uh, just one exit down where we'll house uh, five to 600 people, team members and staff. It's literally just us there. So while it is not a bubble because we don't control who's coming and going, it's really just us there. And so when you combine that with our safety protocols, it's as good a situation as that we can possibly come up with. So uh, taking on an endeavor like this and and making these steps to to create this opportunity for the players has to be a a total team effort. Who were some of the... uh, um, uh, partners or who are some of the people that, that help make this happen? So it, it starts with um, Richard Gallant, the outgoing commissioner. It was his idea. Uh, it was genius. He's really t- taken the lead role with this. And then we've formed some committees um, like Kevin Walter, who is the general manager of the Tampa Bay juniors at that facility. He's helped us with hockey ops and, you know, we have some people in our league, Jimmy Hunt, who's a police officer, who's taking a look at security. So, like, it's been a total team effort, um, but it's Richard Gallant who had the idea, has shaped the idea, is driving the idea forward. And when it all happens and he's there, he's going to have a big smile on his face because what we're doing is something <laughs> special. As I said, I, I said, I said something to somebody the other day. I said, if you ask any... Um, elite hockey player who is 30 to 60 years old and you ask them what their um, number one highlight was of their youth hockey career the vast majority of them if they were fortunate enough to play in the Quebec Pee Wee tournament that's what's going to come out of their life uh, out of their mouth these this group of people when they're 30 40 50 60 years old they're going to be telling people about Florida and the USPHL, it's going to be that that great. Oh, absolutely. 
Uh, have all the teams opted in, or has there been any any member clubs that uh, are are still on the fence about going to the hub? So um, the the original goal was to do this for the NCDC. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're now um, uh, we have we're looking at doing this for Premier and possibly Elite as well. So we're still doing a head count right now. Uh, um, and uh, the day of reckoning, I believe, is later tonight. Um, but I believe you're, I believe you're going to see all. The indication is all the NCDC teams are going to be there, and that we're going to have something in the neighborhood of uh, um, thirty to thirty-five teams in total participating in the event. Amazing, isn't it? Oh my God, yeah! And we're going to keep you on the phone because it's going to be breaking news at the day of reckoning when all these teams have to tell you yay or nay. So we're just going to keep you on the, on the horn and we're going to get it. We're going to get it live. Fair enough. Well, you know, he, he's, he's going to hear me eating dinner because I'm pretty darn hungry right now. So, <laughs> so this is, this is kind of like a super showcase, right? I mean, I, I mean, we could call it whatever you want to call it, but almost like a super showcase. Will you allow scouts to be there? So my understanding is that the division one schools are in a blackout period. Um, we have 10 players right now in the NCDC that are on the NHL um, draft list or watch list. And uh, so I think you're going to see um, some NHL people there. I don't know if division one people are going to lift their blackout or not, but I mean, so much of scouting this year has been done with hockey TV, one of our partners. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we're really working right now on our, on our production of the USPHL hockey TV broadcast. Uh, you'll see the arena that we're playing in, the main arena at Advent. It's special. I mean, there's there's not a big score clock with video, but they have video on the walls. Like, it's pretty special. So um, we're going to do everything we can to make it uh, not an NHL broadcast because we can't do that, but uh, just totally up our game so that scouts who want to watch the games on hockey TV um, can get value for uh, for their time so i know some of these outlets are uh comp i don't want to say comping but waiving fees uh to watch these games will hockey tv be doing that or is it still a pay uh to watch uh program and, I would, and trust I would me bob, bob trust me i i know that uh people got to pay bills i get that man i just some of these other places are, are or some of these other programs are doing that so um, I assume my assumption is it's going to be uh, still pay. Um, however, what a great idea! That's why I'm on the phone with you guys right now. I mean, maybe again, again, my resume is coming over later. Okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm writing it down right now. Maybe we can have a game every other day. That's a free game. That's something that I'm going to bring up at our at our meeting tomorrow, and so we can bring more value to hockey TV. And to all our viewers. So when okay. when you have your meeting when you have your meeting tomorrow, just remember there's two L's in Sullivan when you have to uh, you know <laughs> write that down. So I have it, Bob. I'm gonna bring him straight up to Kitchener to you. So just make sure the LCBO is open when I get there. <laughs> you, you guys can't get across the border, trust me. Ah, uh, don't you worry about that, Bob. We'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so so Bob, again, we appreciate you taking the time and talking to us about. Uh, the USPHL and, and what it is, uh, how it got to where it is today to be the largest hockey league in the, in, in the country. 
um, your role, what you're doing, how you're getting through uh, a global pandemic as a first-year commissioner of the largest hockey uh, league, um, and the good things that you guys are doing. Is there anything that you want to tell our listeners uh, about the USPHL or maybe prospective players? What I would uh, say to anyone is where we're at today, which is in a really good place to promote players to the next level, will be leaps and bounds ahead of that next year, the year after, and moving forward. Our operations are going to get nothing but better moving forward, and it will be the place to play if you want to get to the next level of hockey and get your education and play hockey at the same time. No, well, that's, that's, I mean, that's exciting here to hear. That's really exciting news, you know, especially for us here in the Ohio region, because we do have uh, quite a bit of a, a, a presence uh, with, I think five uh, teams in, in mm-hmm. our uh, digest uh, region. So that's exciting to hear. Uh, your passion is obviously uh, can be heard through the phone and through this podcast. And uh, uh, we definitely involved in the hockey and, and uh, the guys on this call here, you know, we're involved in high school hockey and we, you know, we love to push our players to the next level and knowing that you're there uh, with the passion you have for this league uh, is comforting to, to coaches like ourselves. Thank you. Well, Bob, we couldn't thank you uh, anymore for taking the time. Again, as I said earlier, I, I can't imagine the hoops and, and everything you've had to jump through uh, being the new commissioner of this league and to keep it going, not only in, in this place, in this time frame, but to continue to move it forward. That has to be something that like, like we talk about on this podcast all the time, we're in unprecedented times. And the fact that you guys are still moving forward and creating the hub and, and creating the avenues for these guys. And, and with your track record from the USHL coming to the USPHL, there is no doubt whatsoever that the, the sky is the limit for the USPHL that all these players are going to benefit greatly from the passion that, that Sully uh, earlier spoke about uh, that you're showing toward the league. And, and just, it's been a, it's been a great conversation, even though it's been very short, it's been very educational for us in spreading the word of what the USPHL is about and what the, where the USPHL is going to be going. So I want to thank you for that. Yep. Guys, thanks. Thanks for the time. I really appreciate it. Maybe we should uh, set something up for when we're in the hub. And uh, we can have a, a quick update. Um, of course, I'll be sitting by the pool. Uh, uh, here we go. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. well, what you don't know, what thanks, you don't Bob. Know, Bob. Bob. What you don't know is that we will be sitting by the pool with you doing the interview. So yes. uh, we're gonna we're gonna, we're definitely gonna reach out to Scott, uh, who is the uh, owner of the of the Digest, and and tell him that we need to go on the road. Uh, to to get this uh, breaking news from the hub. So um, again, it. again, like Jay said, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I would say keep up the good work, but what you're doing right now is yeoman's work, and we thank you for that. Uh, so uh, we look forward to talking to you again. And again, when like you said, when you get in the hub, uh, we definitely would like to hear. You know, maybe I don't know a couple weeks in, uh, we'll we'll do a, a recap of how it's going. You know what? What's you know what's it like? How how's the how the games going? How the scouts? All that good stuff. So uh, we look forward to talking to you again. So Bob, thanks for joining us here on 
the Ohio Hockey Digest uh, podcast, uh, and we look forward to talking to you again. Guys, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Same to you, Bob. Same to you. Thanks, Bob. Have a good evening. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by the United States Premier Hockey League. Find out how to try out for a junior hockey team in your area at usphl.com. Well, Jay, for the second week in a row, we heard from a hockey league or leagues that are doing everything in their power to keep their teams playing hockey during this COVID pandemic. Uh, you know, last week we spoke to on the high school level dealing with uh, district shutdowns, rink closures. And this week it was junior hockey league establishment or a hub. You know, when you think about a hub, you know, you think of the NHL and you think there's no way it could happen at any other level. And now, now we see it down in Omaha at the college level. And now we're going to see it at the, at the junior level. Uh, it, it's going to be impressive uh, to, to see that. And, and talking to Bob, uh, the commissioner of the USPHL and his passion to get kids on the ice, to get them seen, to get them. And he kept saying this, and I, I, I appreciate him saying this, getting them to the educational level to play hockey. Um, you know, I, I don't want to keep going back to guests that we kept talking to, but like you go back to a guy like Mike Rupp, who played in the OHL, who said, I maybe should have gone to the, the collegiate level. The OHL is the right is the right level and the right avenue for some people. The USPHL, man, it really sounds like they're pushing kids to go to the D3, D1, ACHE, go to the educational level as well. I think that when they do this, it's going to be, I guess, heralded because it's such trying times and to be able to make this happen at a level that isn't a professional level, is going to be something special. And listening to Bob, as we've talked about for the last bit is it's encouraging for one, that there's somebody that passionate and not that other, other guys aren't and other, other organizations aren't, but to hear Bob with that much excitement for trying to push guys to an educational standard, you know, and his story about talking to Phil Kessel and Phil Kessel's dad about going to the NCAA route and other guests we've had before talking about either going the NCAA route or going collegiate route or, or wishing they had gone. And that's no knock on, on major, major junior USHL, which might as well be major junior. Um, I, I thought that listening to Bob who, who took the USHL and took the summer showcases and made it into something great that benefited the, the elite and the close to elite, if you will. I'm not trying to knock them. Anybody that's played at a higher level, you're playing at a higher level for a reason. It's not because you're, you're, you know, you're just, they're handing it out at the airport and say, Hey, just try hockey this weekend. So the fact that he took the USHL and made it what it is today, or got it on the path to making it to what it is today. There's no doubt in my mind, he's going to do the same thing with the USPHL. It might take a little bit longer based on funding and things like that. But the fact that it goes from coast to coast and border to border, man, the sky's the limit. You know, you're, you're going to find somebody that wants to get on board with that. Like they did with the hub city, like they're, they're able to, uh, what, what uh, the Saddlebrook resort, they're, they're able to take over the Saddlebrook Resort. I mean, that, that took a lot to make that happen, too. And and thank you to those guys that, that are helping these kids not only play hockey, 
but be able to play hockey at, at the level they need to play at to be seen, to get to their next level, to whether that be strictly education. Maybe this is the end of the road for some guys. Maybe it's just not going to pan out. That's possible. But then there's those that are going to go on and, and play on. And regardless of it, Bob and his staff and, and the group with the USPHL are, are taking an unprecedented stance, making this happen, trying to make this happen. So for the betterment of the kids in a time that it's so much easier to just shut down and there is a way they're finding that way. It was a cool conversation. Anytime you get to talk to the head of, of an organization or a, a league is, is always educational. And, and it was a nice time for us tonight. No, you said it right there, man. You hit the nail on the head. The easy way is just to shut it down and say, Hey, we're not even going to try. But when you've got, you know, 600 teams that are counting on your decision and not only not all teams have kids on the, on the teams that are counting on your decisions because of their future. The easy way is not always the best way. Now, will it get going? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. But if you don't give an effort like Bob and his staff is, then how do you put your, your head on the pillow at night and go, well, you know, we tried, but it just didn't work or, no, we just shut it down. And it is what it is. So yeah, you're right. I mean, they're working, uh, they're working their tails off to get to get it to go, and and that's very commendable. You know, uh, like he said though, he even said when when he started the the uh, the uh, the uh, showcase games, he he promised a level. He promised what was going to happen, and he had to deliver on those promises. Do you and know what? You know what? One of the things he promised: good ice. Yeah. Did you hear him say good yeah, ice? Good ice. Good <laughs> officiating. Yeah. Good ice, good players, and, right. and, and and I mean, you know what? Any anybody that's willing to stand behind their word of that, hats off, man. Because there's a lot of people out there that'll tell you that, and well, it just didn't like we talked. It just won't. It just didn't work out. No, you're gonna kick, scratch, and scream to make it happen. And and you know, good luck to the NCDC teams that are going. Yeah. And I believe I believe Bob said that they're they're all uh, in on this, and they're working to add the premier and the elite. So overall, they're trying to make everything possible happen. Absolutely. Well, Jay, another big show uh, in the books. It was great to have uh, Bob Turo on the show. Uh, next week, we're just going to ramp it up again, dude. We're going to preview. We're going to preview one of the most anticipated events on the high school hockey calendar each year. I don't care if it's a pandemic year or not. The Padua Holiday Hockey Tournament. This event has grown over the years to include an impressive field of 12 elite programs from not just Cleveland area, but from all over the state. And, and on a, on a, I can speak to this on a personal note. Um, when you get to the Padua hockey tournament, a holiday tournament, you are usually going to get at that point, the top 10 teams in the state. Uh, this year might be different. I know that there's a couple teams that had to opt out because of uh, things being shut down, but this high school hockey tournament is one of the best in the state year in and year out. Uh, we will have tournament director Sean Evans on with us. Uh, we heard from him last week. He's also the uh, spokesperson for the Great Lakes Hockey League. Uh, we'll also hear from Dave Purpura of This Week's News and Mark Malone of the Toledo Blade to provide some insight on the teams that will be representing the Columbus and the Toledo areas at the tournament. Before we go, I want to give a big shout-out to Addie Lewandowski, who joined us today. 
Hi, Addie. How are you, honey? Wave to Uncle Sully. Wave to Uncle Sully. Thanks for joining us tonight, honey. You did a great job. What, Ed? What's under the carpet? Padding. <laughs> Until we meet again next week. Episode 33, the Patrick Waugh edition. Woo! That's right. I'll play in my last game here in Montreal, baby. <laughs> this is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. Continuing to grow the game as best as we can. On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest.